You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Maddie, Michael, Gordy, we have a full house today. Uh, all right, everybody, we got a lot to talk about in a limited amount of time, so I think we should just kind of hop right in. Uh, Flames Canadians last night, uh, four to two. The score definitely, on paper, makes that game seem a lot closer and/or better than it was because that was an absolute dumpster fire of game for Calgary outside of the, maybe the first eight minutes um gordy uh, your thoughts on uh last night's debacle in montreal i'm just glad i didn't have to recap it there's nothing worse <laughs> than recapping losses but i mean games like that like there's there's nothing even kind of positive you can write about it. i'm almost mad they scored to make it look like a close game because it wasn't that's what somebody said on twitter today they were like you know it's almost Almost worse that they actually scored goals because it gave you hope. It was like, I mean, granted, it was only they scored two goals with like was like a minute and a half left in the game. But that's classic Flames, like play terrible for long enough just to give you a little bit of hope, just to have it crushed. Uh, Michael David Riddick, not uh, great, not bad last night. I don't think you can really fault him for a lot. But um, what, what did you take away from Riddick's performance last night? I mean. He was kind of hung out to dry on the power play goals he allowed in the first period. Like, I didn't think they were really his fault. Like, overall, I thought he played pretty well. Like, he wasn't quite at the mark at the uh, Markstrom level we've gotten used to so far to start the season. But, like, I thought he performed more or less as, as he's performed in the last few years, which is, like, fine. But um, all I would say after the game is, like, I'm pretty glad we've had Markstrom just based on the level of chances they've given up all year long. And um, even with Markstrom, they probably still would have lost last night. But, like, I don't know. He was okay. That's how I would put it. He he was passable, but not great. Yeah, Maddie. Um, last night, um, uh, once again, Calgary looked like maybe they had a little bit of jump in their game coming out, but first period once again, um, killed the Flames. Uh, your impressions of or not impressions of the Flames last night? Uh, extremely not impressions because I was covering the Flyers game that was happening at the same time. <laughs> you were better off. Good for you. Was Maddie I wins know? last night. Was I, though? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, probably. If you watched last night, yeah, you definitely were better off. Um, I did get the score but, prediction right. You did get that. I was At one point, I'm like, just hold them a three to one so I can finally get one right this year. So, But congratulations, <laughs> you won last night, so that's good. Um, There's a lot of talk after last night's performance, too, about, you know, the Flames have got to shake it up. Ward's got to do something, which I don't necessarily disagree with. And not, like, from a trade standpoint, because you're not trading anybody or firing anybody yet. But... You know, everybody's climbing out. Oliver Shillington needs to come up and play. Ronaldo needs to get in that lineup and play. Maybe Buddy Robinson. And I just threw out three names right there. Um, who wants to jump in and take this one? Are any of those three names really going to help the Flames? Gordy? Oh, well, they're not is kind of the sad thing. There's the only guy you could kind of maybe put back into the lineup would be Dubé, but he's, yep. you know, he's hurt for however long. But, I mean, Ronaldo, Robinson, they're just – you know replacement level guys it's not gonna really sway the course of 
you know, the Flames any which way, given they'll probably play, you know, seven or eight minutes. But it's, it's tough to kind of diagnose them at the moment. Michael, do you like the idea of maybe replacing Nesterov with Shillington just because he started off well and now he's kind of like, eh, uh, your thoughts? Uh, not really, frankly. Like, I think the Flames are much better suited to just kind of keep rolling with them. Like, they did have a good first four, four-and-a-half-ish games. Like, I think you have to really just kind of let him and Val Mackey kind of work through any struggles they're having right now because if they get this precedent set where if you have a bad game, you're coming out of the lineup next game for Shillington, who I think is pretty decidedly not as good as either of those two players, like, I don't really think it solves anything. If anything, I think it just causes more more worry, especially in a young guy like Val Mackey, that if he has a bad game, he's coming out. So I don't think you solve anything by making a change, at least right now. Yeah, and Maddie, you look at the names we just put out there, too. Um, I, is it more like maybe the Calgary Flames should start maybe throwing the lines in a bigger blender, uh, moving people around? Like uh, poor Michael Backlund, I know his... Um, you know, his performance and his output so far this season hasn't been exactly great. But, I mean, how's Michael Backlund supposed to get any better playing with Sam Bennett and Milan Lucic? Yeah, um, I think that's the the one thing specifically that I would change. Um, but, I don't know, I just think with how this season's going, if, I don't know, I didn't hate their last two games against Toronto and I think if they didn't put like a bunch of pucks in their own net off of these weird bounces and maybe they get one win an overtime loss or something or like we probably feel a lot different about this season um I don't know I I I don't want to pull the trigger on anything wild just yet but I understand it's a shortened season and People are getting a little frazzled. Now, after last night game, Sean Monahan in the media said, you know, that the Flames need to have more emotion. Um, is there any player on the Flames who strikes you as less emotional than <laughs> Sean Monahan? Um, so, like, I mean, Monahan, the points are there this season, but also, like, he and Gaudreau both having good starts to their season. Gaudreau is noticeable in games, whether he's scoring or not. I don't notice Monahan when he doesn't score. Uh, Michael, is that a is that an odd take, bad take on my part, or am I one of those guys that still continues to see Monahan as invisible when someone's not doing most of the work for him? I mean, yeah, I think you're right on with that. Like, um, the thing with me is that we really haven't seen anything different from Monahan for what, like, seven years now. So, like, I think we know what, or we know what they have. The Flames know what they have with him. So, like, yes, you'd like to see more of him in theory, but I think at this point that's just not who he is, and expecting any different might just lead to disappointment. So I think the Flames would have to look for solutions in other places other than just hopefully Monaghan gets a little meaner, gets a little tougher. Like, I think it's kind of just a, it is what it is situation at this point. Yeah. And we saw Monaghan struggle with his numbers last year when he tried to be a meaner, tougher Sean Monaghan, where he was having an identity crisis where, yeah, sure. He was more physical, but then his, his points, his point production fell through the ground. Um, you know, or into a hole. Uh, Gordy, you know, Johnny Gaudreau um, having a good season. I, I like everything I see about him so far, but things I'm noticing, I see more hustle. I see more, more defensive play out of him again, or am I seeing things through rose colored glasses because I like Johnny Gaudreau as a player or is he, uh, you know, has his game changed? Is he stepping himself up a little bit? 
Well, I think to answer kind of both questions, I think Gaudreau and Monaghan are products of each other. A lot of the time, Gaudreau's got that extra space, that extra second to make a play because Monaghan gives him a nice little one-touch pass or creates a little bit of space for him to move. So I think, you know, everyone has their role. Monaghan is kind of the bumper guy. He, he gives Gaudreau the space to make his plays. So I, I've been happy with both of them. I'd say the invisible part of that line would be the other side. I, I don't really know why Dominic Simone keeps getting all this time. He hasn't really shown all that much. I think Manjapani or Dubé or even Levo again would give that line a good luck. I think that's been a big hindrance to them. But overall, I'm very happy with those two guys. I think Gaudreau definitely earned, has earned a lot of praise this season. I don't think it's rose-tinted glasses at all. Yeah, I, I agree. I just think his game has completely changed. He looks more engaged as whereas last year there were times where you were just like he looked like he didn't even, he looked like uh Pierre Luc Dubois just gliding through a shift, you know, waiting to get back to the bench. Um speaking of people that are working, um, how about the nice pleasant surprise of Chris Tanev and Noah Hannafin's pairing this year? Uh Tanev when Calgary signed him in the offseason, I think I mentioned him as just being I don't lack of a better word, kind of milk toast. Uh, someone who really doesn't stand out when he's out there. But Maddie, uh, Chris Tanneff been a nice little addition for the Calgary Flames so far this season. Sure has been, um, and I definitely felt the same way uh, heading into the season. Where I honestly don't even know if I had a single feeling about Tanneff. Like I just, just absolutely nothing. Um, but certainly a pleasant surprise and. I mean, with his own play, um, but also just how well he's gelling with Hannafin. I was a little nervous that that pairing wasn't really going to work, but um, I I will gladly be wrong on that. I'm super, super pleased with what we've gotten so far. Yeah, I think we all tend to like get caught up looking at you know the stat line, be like, all right, how many points, how many goals, how many assists, what does he do? But Tanif just does the the little things, and just the, the amount of shots that he blocks when he's out on the ice. Um, Gordy, Michael, you guys, one of you could pick and jump in. Um, your thoughts on that pairing? I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled with what I've seen so far. I'm not sure if there's a flame I trust more with the puck on a stick than Chris Tanev. I, you're right. He just makes so many great little plays, whether it's offensively, defensively. I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't be playing Tanev and Hannafin as their top pairing right now, given – Giordano struggles and you know he's not a hasn't been a great pairing with Anderson so far yeah Michael your thoughts on that or do you if we covered enough of that do you want to maybe hammer a little bit away on Gordy's point there of like Mark Giordano has been semi-invisible this year I think Rasmus Anderson is showing pure signs of being a a uh, solid NHL defenseman for years to come and also a leader on the flames is you want to hop in on that because you know we were you the group of us were talking about that quote from earlier uh, where Anderson was sticking up for Uzo Valamaki. Yeah, uh, I'll round into Gio real quick, but I just want to quickly finish off our Hannafin Tanev conversation. I've been really impressed by both of them. And yeah, before the season, I kind of thought, I was like, oh, great, just going to be like another like Hamnick type guy who's going to be fine, but then not great. And you kind of see like a lot of lapses with him, but he's just been steady. And I think we've seen as a result the best play from Noah Hannafin of his career so far, especially with the Flames, like past year, she's been fine, but not great, but they've really come together and like Gory said, probably formed the top pairing on the blue line so far this year. I think we're what, seven, six, seven games in now and they still haven't been on for a five on five goal against, like they've just been 
really steady, and I think both players have really excelled. Um, yeah, I, I have no complaints about them, and like hopefully it can last. Hopefully it's not just like a hot start, but yeah, full marks to them so far for really coming out and dispelling a lot of doubters before the season. And, and Anderson, like, we want to talk leadership. Like, I mean, Anderson totally goes to bat for Valamaki. You saw even David Riddick talking to him, um, you know, after he, he blew the tire, which led to a goal um, in that game. And they seem to understand that he's just a kid and he's going to get better. Um, I'd like to tackle dealing with, you know, patience with him later. But more to the, to the leadership section of Rasmus Anderson. At some point, Mark Giordano is going to be gone. Um, you know, maybe Monaghan, Backlund, you know, he he alternates with Kachuk. Kachuk, I think, is clearly the next captain of the Flames, but uh, Rasmus Anderson looks like a, a kid who's definitely got himself a spot um, in the leadership community, for lack of a better word, with the Flames. Do you agree? Yeah, 100%. Um, just even by that quote he gave on Val Mack, it was a pretty long quote just backing him up today to the media, but also... He also talked about the team holding like a players only meeting. And um, for me, I see a lot of Matthew Kachuk's leadership style in him. Like he, uh, he'll go out there and he'll scrum it up if he has to, but he also has a lot of high end skill that we're really seeing this season. Like if Kachuk's the next captain, like I imagine you see Raz was right behind him with the A, who knows, maybe if he turns into some superstar, he even has a shot at the C. But, like, I'm really happy with so much of what we're seeing from him, and he really looks like he's ready to take over, like, a big role on this team pretty much right away. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Anderson, um, Anderson is setting himself up for a very solid future with the Flames. We're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Uso Valamaki and his struggles, but also how, you know, maybe we shouldn't be ready to jump off the bridge with that yet. Um, then we're going to talk Matthew Kachuk and the puck flip versus the WWE atomic knee drop from the other day, and we'll touch upon uh, maybe what's wrong with the Calgary Flames. So we're going to pause for a quick break, and we'll be right back on the Tinderbox. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Theater Box. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Michael, Matty, Gordy, all here this afternoon, this evening, depending on where you are. Uso Valamaki. I think we were all waiting with bated breath for Valamaki to get out on the ice because we only briefly saw him in the playoffs. And it was the high ankle sprain. And he blew out his knee. And now he's finally back. And he's he struggled a little bit. And I was talking with Tracy, who used to be the site manager for us here. And the minute that first goal went in when he was on the ice, she texted me and she was like, here we go. It's going to get so ugly on Twitter. This poor kid's going to get destroyed by the fan base because they have no patience. And she was not right uh, or not wrong in that scenario. Um, Maddie, he's a kid, 21, 22 years old. I mean, you got to clearly have patience with this guy, um, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And like, I, I know that this is how Twitter works. People get mad at everything but yeah it's <laughs> Maddie, the <laughs> like sun said, came up. it was horrible <laughs> oh yeah um but no like we said it's encouraging that the team seems to understand like you know he's got some stuff to work through and we just have to bear with that but 
honestly, I, yeah, I'm I'm not worried about it. I think his upside is still pretty tremendous. So, um, you're going to have some growing pains. That's just part of adjusting to a full time NHL role. So, uh, not really worried about it. Go to your takeaways from Valamaki's game last night. Uh, yeah, I, there's not probably a guy on the Flames who's had a more kind of stilted, choppy kind of career path the last two years in Valamaki. Like he's getting his game back together in Finland and then he has to come back to Canada and quarantine and get back into training camp. So, I mean, being paired with a guy like Nestrov on the third pairing, you have not the best of assignments and, you know, times you're going to be in your defensive zone a lot more than the other two pairings. So, it, you know, goals against look a lot worse. And I mean, a lot of the goals that have deflected off them, like they're just, they're just accidental. They're freak plays like the, the Weber one, he's sliding and his stick is, you know, just perfectly in the air for the puck to deflect off of. So I think he's getting a lot of flack, but I've seen a lot of elements of his game where he proves like he's not kind of a, play flow defenseman he's a playmaking defenseman and i think he's going to be a big part of calgary's future it's just it's just going to take time like everybody else yeah i mean michael the flames waited for how long on michael backlin to finally get there i think it's not a different position but similar analogy like michael backlin took a long time to uh gain traction with the flames and once he did he was perfectly fine um yeah, valamaki's night was rough last night i mean he was he took the penalty which led to the first goal and he blew the tire, and then he was also out there doing his best Derek Engelin sprawling across the ice. <laughs> Looked like a baby deer falling down on a lake. Uh, but still, I again, right, a, a guy we definitely need to be patient with and take our time with because the payoff is going to be worth it, I think. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. Like uh, like you said, with Backlund, it took some time. Or even like when you look at Johnny Gaudreau, who I think it was his rookie year, he got, what, four or five games in without scoring a goal, and People thought this kid was going to be too small, never amount to anything in the NHL. Like, I think we just need to relax. And uh, you know, if you look at the goals he was on for last night, like the penalty he got, I thought was a pretty chintzy call for what we've seen yeah. so far this year. And then, like, the goal that went off his back, like he's trying to block a Shea Weber shot as a rookie, like the first time phasing him. Like, I don't really blame him. He actually got in front of the puck, which is good on him, which just took a bad bounce. And then that last goal where it was batted out of the air, like, those are plays that don't usually happen. I thought he had bad luck as much as anything. And there's going to be nights like those for young guys. And I think going forward, like he just, I think he was playing like 23 to 24 minutes a night in Finland. Like this is a guy who can take a big role and the Finnish league isn't nothing either. So I think just let him kind of keep getting settled in, especially with these games as they get going. Like I think we'll see him really start to improve. And if that means he might get a few more minutes or at the very least, just kind of settle in and make that third pair really good. Like, Val Mackey's just the kind of guy who you have to kind of keep going, and there's going to be rough nights as with any rookie, but I think they keep going with him, and he'll really pay off even as soon as later this season. Now, speaking of patience, we have someone who has apparently no patience anymore. Uh, the Matthew Kachuk Friendship Tour is burning its way across Canada. Um, it started off with Winnipeg with Shifley last year in the playoffs. You saw him even in the Dallas series when he was sitting up in the box. like He was so angry when the Flames weren't playing well. Um, you know, and then there's the alleged atomic knee drop on top of uh, Jack Campbell the other night against Toronto, which I think was slightly blown out of proportion. Um, do I think Kachuk did all he could do to not fall on Campbell? Probably not. Do I think he was coming off the top rope with a steel chair? No. Um, and it's so 
I think the way it is what it is. Uh, and then, of course, he gets the old puck flip in the chest from Muzzin at the end of the game. Um, is Matthew Kachuk going to be one of those people that just absolutely is completely off the wall all season because teams are going to be going after him consistently? Uh, Maddie, what are your thoughts? Uh, I sure hope not. <laughs> like, listen, I... I want to see him engaged and I do kind of love that he's in the mix and trying to start stuff sometimes, but I, there is a line and I think you can't be losing your cool at just like every single little agitating thing, because like you said, this is going to happen. Um, yeah. yeah. And like the, the door slamming tantrum, I forget which night that was like, I just, I don't know. I found that sort of cringy and I didn't really need it. Um, yeah. I, I, I would like to see him roll it back just like a little bit. So what you're saying is we don't need him to be our Ron Hextall. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> to, to bring it back to Philly to you. Uh, Gordy, uh, your thoughts on Kachuk is like, is, is he letting too much of this stuff get to him? Do you think, or is this just who Matthew Kachuk is? Well, I think he was probably upset with himself because the whole Matthew Kachuk thing is he's, you know, he's Mr. He's Mr. Rubber out there. Like he's getting in guys' faces. He's taking butt ends. He's getting under their skin. They're freaking out at him. He can't find himself on the other side of that because then he loses all his power if he's letting the opponents get under his skin. I think that the puck flips a pretty classless play. And if Kachuk does that to to Muzzin it's a it's a whole different story the Toronto media gets their gets their opinion of that but like yeah I'm with Maddie the the tantrum thing is not something you can do especially when he's the guy we've kind of painted as the the next captain of this team when last year we were all over Riddick too for his you know his tantrums and I mean goaltending and forwards a different position but it, it's this it's the same story you just you got to be in control of your emotions to that extent Michael, you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I think just if I'm trying to back up at all, the whole tantrum thing with the Leafs is that throughout his career, Kachuk has been pretty good at managing his emotion in the games. Like you said, there's those games against the Oilers or the Kings where he's throwing the hits and there's scrums every like second play, it seems like. But um, he's always struck me as the guy who likes to get the last laugh in a lot of these uh, scrums. And to me, that's why he was so pissed off was that that play happened and then the game ended and he got shuttled to the bench and it was over and they're not playing the Leafs again for a few weeks. Like they'll get him seven more times, but he just, that's to me seems why he's so pissed off is that he couldn't do anything that wasn't after that was over. Like he just always seems to want to be the guy who gets the last word in, in these fights and stuff. And he couldn't do it there. Yeah. He's not going to get on the look at the uh, Maple Leafs until uh, the 22nd of February. So he's got a little ways to go, but as I'm looking at the schedule right now ahead of us, um, it's not, I mean, as much as people think the North is just the weak division, um, you know, it's not the strongest of all of the, you know, realigned NHL COVID divisions, but uh, you figure they got Montreal on Saturday and then four out of their next five are against Winnipeg. I mean, yeah, they, they, you know, the game against Winnipeg was pretty decent, but like they, uh, Winnipeg has turned it on a little bit. I mean, you look at the standings now in the division, Toronto's up top at seven and two, Montreal's five Oh and two, but there's Winnipeg at five and two Vancouver's, even five and five, they're 500. Um, Calgary's two points ahead of last place, Ottawa. Uh, this is a very short season. Um, 
Calgary's really got to make a run at some point, or am I overreacting? Uh, Maddie, is am I am I pushing the panic button too early as I look at the standings, or is in a fifty-six game season to be nine points out of first place in the division already? That's that's bad, right? Uh, it's not great, but <laughs> I mean they've also they've played the fewest games in the division. Is that yep. right? Yep. Um, so they do have a little bit of wiggle room there. So I think that's kind of what's keeping me from also slamming the panic button. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they do need to pick it up, but I'm not like super, super worried yet. Um, also is, uh, is Dubois eligible to play in any of these games? Uh, um, I, I haven't done that math and I probably yeah. should have. Yeah, I haven't either. That's a great point. So. And well, we all know good. how well, we all know how good I am with math. I can't figure out the temperature and time difference. So there's no way I'm going to be able to figure out the, the the pandemic math of how many days you have to stay from when you move from the United States to Canada. So that, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Maddie. I don't know anything about that on that end. Um, Michael, your thoughts. Uh, too early to panic? Yeah, I think so. Um, when it comes down to it this season, it really just feels like just you have to make that top four again. And it doesn't really seem like it's going to be a huge advantage being a one or a four seed in this division, like everyone seems pretty equal, though Montreal looking like world beaters. Like, in my opinion, they're just going to have to be better than one of Ottawa, Edmonton, or Vancouver. Like, um, none of those teams look particularly good. And, like, even Winnipeg, who's gotten out to a pretty good record now, like, they've had three against Ottawa, who is just terrible. Like, I really don't have any complaints as long as they can kind of just stay in the mix around that four spot all year and then playoff show up it's gonna be kind of a totally different vibe i feel like too with already having played nine or ten games against whoever they face like there's a lot of season left and i think they really aren't as far out of as some people want you to believe so far fair enough i mean i guess we can close out with the question of we'll start with you gordy what's wrong with the flames um you know if it's slow starts or no emotion or not getting up for games uh what's what's going on with calgary so far it it is tough to say. I I I would personally say that it's the bad starts or their current biggest problem. But I mean, I, I hate to be the predictor of you know bad news, but that I like they're coming off a break and they're playing badly, and they were playing so good before the break, and there's just something about this team that they they just can't get themselves up for the games. And I mean, that's got to change because I mean, fans are not going to be any kind of you know, any kind of bonus anytime soon. So you got to learn to play without them. Uh, it's funny. You bring up the break thing. I was listening to my favorite late night activity, the post game show on Sportsnet 960, because it's the Colin show is the most entertaining part of any Flames game. If you've ever listened to it, um, Pat Steinberg actually brought up a great point. He's like, I don't know why they come out of breaks like this playing so poorly because they've got all the time in the world to practice and get their heads straight and get ready. Uh, Michael, is that something that kind of like is surprising that like, especially when you've had all that time off to kind of get your house in order and, and be prepared and then come out and fall on your face? Yeah, I, I don't really have a ton to add to it, but it, it just seems like every year, no matter how good or bad the Flames are, they always seem to go into a break playing well. And then as soon as they come out, it seems like they forgot how to play hockey over that break. And, um, yeah, we're just seeing more of the same this year. Thank God. I don't think they have any more breaks of more than a couple of days after this. Um, yeah, it's frustrating, but that's, I guess we have to get used to it at this point. Yeah, it looks like it's an every other day schedule, at, at, you know, for like a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday type setup or a Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, whatever. Uh, Maddie, what's wrong with the Flames? Stop putting pucks in your own net. 
<laughs> Ever seen a team have worse luck than that? Like, oh, was it like six brutal. goals in a row? It was like five or six in a row just went off their own player. I mean, come on. Do you think it's yeah. do you think it's just just bad luck right now? You think that's part of what it is? Um, I I do think that that's part of it because, like I said, in you know what, barring what sounds like last night's game, um, I don't know. I don't think they've been playing that poorly. Um, it it hasn't been great, but it's. I don't know that it's necessarily reflective, or the results are necessarily reflective of the overall process. So, um. I do trust that they're going to be able to hopefully get it together at some point, but uh, luck is certainly not on their side right now. Yeah, agreed. It definitely seems like 20 minutes of every game seems to sink Calgary, and unfortunately it's the first period where they just find themselves down and it's tough to climb out of a hole against Austin, Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs or Shea Weber and the Canadians. You know, it's, it's not an easy hole to climb out of. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up here for this episode of the Tinderbox. The Flames play this weekend. They play, uh, where am I? Calgary Flames play on Saturday. I believe it's a 5 p.m. Mountain Time game. Am I correct on that? I'm trying to roll through the schedule here. I probably should have been more prepared for this. Yes, Flames, Saturday, 5 p.m. in Montreal. Uh, Final game of that series. Hopefully the Flames can stop this little uh, three-game losing skid they've had because not every game is going to be the Canucks and the Ottawa Senators this year. If you enjoyed this podcast, please look for us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. Just search up Matchsticks and Gasoline or the Tinderbox or Calgary Flames. Any of those search terms should find you this wonderful podcast. Look for us on the web also at matchsticksandgasoline.com. On Twitter, at Matchsticks. Or Matchstick CGY. God, see, I'm so bad at this outro. I need somebody else to handle this for me. Or look us up on Facebook, Matchsticks and Gasoline. Maddie, Gordy, Michael, thanks for coming on. Hope you guys have a great Friday night and a wonderful weekend as well. You too. Alrighty, and you can join us next time for another amazing ending to this podcast on the next episode of The Tinderbox. Box.